Welcome to TicTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. We live in an age of rapid technological advancements, where innovation is driving everything from the way we work to the way we communicate, travel, and even think. With each passing day, new breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. In this podcast, we'll delve into the latest trends and topics in the tech industry, examining how emerging technologies are shaping the future of society. From artificial intelligence and robotics to the Internet of Things and quantum computing, we'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations. Along the way, we'll hear from experts, thought leaders, and innovators in the field as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. And I'm your host, Christian Hammer. This week, I have with me a very special guest, Ben Harris, who has also jumped into the AI space recently in a big way. Uh, his new organization is called Vigami, and we're going to go into that here briefly and talk about it. But uh, he's local to the Pacific Northwest with me, actually lives fairly close to where I live, and I live in a very obscure part of the Pacific Northwest. So it's kind of fun to run into somebody that's uh, got the same entrepreneurial spirit in the same space at some moment. So with that, let's get into the show. Hey, Ben, it's an absolute pleasure to actually have meeting you and interacting with you in person, sort of, you know, in this virtual world. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, we got to know each other a little bit uh, a couple of years ago when I mistook you for somebody else, and that was a serendipitous uh, meeting. And it's really interesting that we both are moving towards AI. Uh, you were just telling me about your degree being in music, and you weren't necessarily a technology serial, you know, entrepreneur background. And I was just going to say, like, I don't know if you can see behind me the painting. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah I can see you have a little bit of an artistic flair as well. Um, that's awesome. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of is a mark of a good entrepreneur is there's an artistic, um, there, there's a creativity that's uh, kind of comes with us is that we, we see the world differently. That or we see it exactly as we see it. <laughs> However you want to unpack that. Yeah, I don't know if there's really a difference. Uh, you might see it differently because you see it in a very, like you have a lens through which you view the world and you apply that to it. And that's what makes it unique. Mm -hmm. As well as being like, I mean, I just said it. That's what makes it unique. We have our we have our lens through which we view it. I, re I remember this one time I wrote a, um, it was an orchestral piece and I had it performed by the, uh, the, the symphony of our college. And I wrote it in a key that was, I, I love the key, it was B major. But when you translate it to the instruments for like that are like a B flat instrument, it gets into this very ugly key. And not necessarily B flat instruments, but there were certain instruments that have like a pitch transition and they have to play in the, the worst key possible. It's horrible. <laughs> and at the end of the first performance, they looked at me and they said, why did you do that? Why did you write it in this key? This, like, I, we hate this key. You know, like, it's the only key that sounds like it. Mm. It's the only key that sounds like it. And that's the same thing when you're, when you're in a startup world. There's only, sometimes you might ask for something that doesn't make sense and, you know, you'll get pushback. You'll get, you know, people critiquing your decisions. But there is a reason for you asking it that specific way. No, that, that's a really good insight. I, 
I uh, dabble in music a little bit, just like uh, anybody in tech seems to. I, I can't I can't count the number of times I've seen a uh, garage, a guitar in somebody's <laughs> office, like sitting there. I'm like, do you play? They're like, oh, I dabble. Uh, I know a lot of technology, like successful technologists tend to be polyglots in, in a lot of different ways. They're music and art and technology, and maybe they speak multiple languages. and. You definitely program in multiple languages if you're a you know if you're a coder. Yep. So, like it's not unusual. It, it, I used to think that when I was a kid, I, I stood out as being this person that was kind of good at a lot of things and great at one or two, but like not not as great as if I just focused on that one thing. If I was to have focused on like music, maybe I would have been phenomenal at music. Let's say I don't. Mm -hmm. This is like puffing myself up a little bit, but maybe. But I didn't find that interesting. And what was interesting was where something from this one domain, from this one part of my life, made me better at something else that was totally unrelated. Mm -hmm. Like that, that music and art piece makes me a hell of a lot better as a software engineer when I sit down and write code because it's creative problem solving in a different way and you apply that lens to it. And so when I got involved in the high tech space and started being around a lot of entrepreneurs in particular, mm -hmm. uh, I found that it was like, that was my tribe. That was, you know, people that had the same, that, that same superpower. And uh, it yes. was an amazing moment. And so I love connecting with other other people like that. Yeah, well, and I think that's one of the things that really helps, um, again, the entrepreneur just be able to see the see the field, the landscape for what it is. And then like take the, the AI that's uh, upon us right now. You know, we, we now are, you know, we're now six months into a public release of, chat gpt is it six months was it november november 24 i think it was yeah ish, ish. yeah so we're like five six months into it and uh i mean it's totally taken the the world by storm because you know what it what was a million users in five days yeah it there's been uh, you know if you've done this long enough you've seen a couple major technological innovations it's just kind of through the world for a loop and in my lifetime before i was like involved in all this was the the desktop the personal computer came into the world all of a sudden changed the world right mm -hmm. and then the world wide web the browser the first browser came out you know the internet had been around for gener you know a full generation before that in the 60s um, but the world wide web all of a sudden came out of the scene everything changed and then smartphone but ai is a whole order of magnitude <laughs> bigger uh and i don't I keep trying to come up with exactly why I believe that to be true. It, it feels more like the industrial revolution than it does like the intervention of the internet, which I mean. Astronaut. Well, I'll give you a perfect reason why it's different. Yeah. Uh, because I've been working on a startup that has been uh, kind of based around the video game industry for a number of years, and it's recently taken a very significant turn. And I'll the reason is because of AI. Um, so for several last several years, I've been trying to develop a, we have, we've had a business that's been centered around video game data. We have a large amount of video game data in our, in our possession. And in addition to that data, we also have, you know, a large treasure trove of high resolution scans of, you know, old, you know, manuals and things like that. Things that haven't even been indexed or, you know, processed. We're just, you know, we're just sitting on it. We, you know, this is something I've been long, long time video game geek nerd. This is just something I was really passionate about. That's what started the project that started the company. And then uh, it, we said, okay, let's turn this into a, a database, a search engine 
that people could search this information and be able to find questions that maybe they never even thought about asking. Like maybe I'm interested in cell shaded hockey games uh, that are based in Japan. Like, I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's of interest to you and more power to you. But um, trying to create a, a web application, a front end interface that accommodated all of the different variations that go into a filter or, you know, some a, a query like that becomes overwhelming. And one of the challenges with, you know, a search engine like Google is it's too macro. There's just, there's too much information for it to distill down into something meaningful. And that's one of the reasons why I, I personally, I've been saying this to a number of my, my friends, is that the, the age of macro search is about to disappear. Oh yeah, Google's in trouble. Absolutely. Google's in trouble and it's it's been in trouble for a while and that's something I kind of saw and it kind of coming down the road but more so that now with the now with AI actually being here like you now have and let's just take ChatGPT as an example right I don't have to go into Google again not dissing on Google but I'm just saying it as it is I don't have to go into Google and ask a question and go through six layers of search to get to the question that I was looking for and you know, you've been in that that situation where you looked for something, gone six, even ten pages deep, and still not found it, and then you're yeah. just mad, and then you just kind of like you know rage quit, like <laughs> that's what you don't want to be. And then you go to something like ChatGPT, and you ask it just as you think it, like the way that you would talk. Maybe you don't have the best English in the world. It doesn't matter. It can figure it out. Maybe you don't speak English as your first language. That's okay, you can figure it out. You now don't have to worry about an interface. The interface is your language and that's been broken down. So I, you touched on your startup and I want you to get pitched the name, what are you doing, why it's exciting. Sure. Yeah, yeah so we, we are working, at, so the project uh, is called Vigami. It stands for Video Games, Artwork, Media and Information. It's a, it is a, is an it is a companion ai companion for video games the idea is that we're basically taking all this data that we've been bringing in bringing together and then coupling it with an ai so that you can ask it questions like actually directly ask your questions like how do i beat this boss what was the konami code from way back when and how do i get the 30 lives that's all i want to know you know or how how do I, where are all the loot boxes in Assassin's Creed. I, I literally want to just know the answer, just give it to me a list and let me be on my merry way. And we're taking that approach just using natural language to ask those questions and be able to give you those responses. And, um, you know, we want to try and make this application accessible um, really pretty much wherever you, you play games. I mean, right now we're creating a web portal, but the idea is that we'll be extending it and making it more accessible down the road. But we're still in a, kind of a private beta stage and you know we're still getting some some of the bugs things up but if you want to follow us you can check out you can go uh, register an account on uh, vgami.com i will definitely do that because it sounds really really interesting i i know that i'm not a huge gamer i, I grew up with games like I, i'm probably the first generation um that like gaming was always there and i was always involved in it mm -hmm. but uh the recent i don't know last decade or so of games to me seem just like they're, it's become so reductionist. They're, they're the same thing as the ones that came before it. All of those <laughs> computers are just like a slight variation of, you know, the first of those like Doom. Like there's, there are slightly yeah. improved graphics or a little bit bigger game. Every um, now and then you'll get some gems that come out of there. Like, what was it? The, there was this game about a cat, Stray. 
stray. It was it's it's pretty wild, and I like you'll get a game like that or like Horizon Zero Dawn, which is just it that that are just masterpieces. But it's a mixed so many of these rehashed clones of something that has come before. And uh, I remember there was a I don't know who said this, but there was a kind of a guiding principle back in Nintendo back in the 90s is just you do not do this it's already been done you can't do that so yes. you have to do something different yeah and that's a, that's a principle i think that we've kind of let slip it's like hey there's a business model there let's just reclone it like six thousand times and well, <laughs> until it stops selling <laughs> it's, it's largely become true of all media and i don't know you know if you look at movies everything is just a it's the the next in a series of uh, a franchise mm. it's like it's you know uh, galleries of this galaxy three or whatever the hell's coming out right now, right? Uh, that's where the money's at. And I think games are the same way. You found a winner, ride it forever until people are just exhausted with it. And then you can shut it down and find the next winner, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, like are we, I don't know about you, you know, I, I don't mean to speak for everybody, but I wanted Marvel to stop at the end of Endgame. Like, just stop, yeah. just take, take <laughs> a break. Go on, you know, sabbatical for a little bit and, you know, come back in like six, seven years from now with something good. You know, yeah. um, go look at Image Comics or Dark Horse or somebody yeah, else. Yeah, you know, build some that. comics, get some fan base up, <laughs> and then and then come back with something that will you know really impress me. But uh, just stop with the mass production. <laughs> yeah, and it, games, I I still love playing video games. There's a couple on my machine right now that I'm enjoying because they're they're a little bit new takes on uh, ideas, and I love new me um, mechanics. So it, it, this is gonna sound so stupid, but I'm actually building a game. I've been building a game forever. I've been into uh, generative uh, 3D models and stuff like that for a very long time. I, mm -hmm. I love procedural generation of, of content and games and have written some of the things that are used in the Unity world and, and stuff like that as well. Uh, so I've been working on this game, but it's largely based on Agar IO. If you've ever played that, that little casual game online where you're just a dot roaming around and you keep growing by consuming things. Yeah. So, except taking that, putting it into 3D space in VR, and you're an energy being that's uh, going around and consuming energy from stars and other energy beings. <laughs> and so I've been screwing around with the space, and I and I do love it. I said I'm not much of a gamer, but that's just because I feel like the industry has just gotten so repetitive. I feel like that was based off of Shark Shark, which was for the Intellivision. <laughs> a little. Uh, it's, it's actually kind of an homage to uh, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter in, in a weird sort of way. I wanted to take that game and what made that so compelling. And it was one of the first big, I don't remember how many players you could have at a time, but you could have more than a dozen people playing at the same time uh, online with each other. And at the time, that seemed like such a big deal, but it was because they reduced the problems they had to solve to just a couple. Mm -hmm. And I, I was thinking about that and going, well, I just want to introduce one new mechanic. I don't really want it to be violent. I want, you know, and so I came up with this game idea, but sorry. The, no, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love games. I don't want to, I don't want to destroy all my nerd credibility by saying I'm an anti-gamer or something. There's a, yeah, a little, little side note. Subnautica was one I just actually recently finished and that was one of the best experiences I've had in a long time. Um, if you have, if you haven't checked out Subnautica, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I will have to. It, it's, it strikes me as interesting that just as it became very approachable for people to, anybody can make a game today between the Unreal Engine and Unity, like, you don't have to have a lot of technology chops. You can mm -hmm. get into the Unreal Engine with no ability to code 
and go build a game. So speaking on that, yeah, because actually that's one of the things that I've been noticing with AI recently. Yes. Is that so <laughs> chat GPT has basically made me a better coder. Um, and I, I actually do have quite a bit of, you know, programming chops, uh, but I, I don't flex them as much as I probably ought to. But uh, like just the just last week, I was at needing to write a, a Python script and I, I was needing to batch basically 50,000 files on my local desktop and I needed to get them processed from here to there, but in a very specific recursive way. And I, I know I can do that with Python. It was just one of those things where I was like, I, I, it's been, I've been a little rusty, haven't you know, like cracked out the Python in a while. So I, I literally just went into ChatGPT, pseudocoded my solution, and it it gave me an entire solution top to bottom that worked. Uh, there was like one or two little errors, but I fixed, I saw them, fixed them, and within 15 minutes, I had my entire solution coded out. Oh, wow. But this is, this is actually uh, directly relevant, I think. So you've got uh, the historical, like games became, or media became easy to create. Anybody can make a movie. Anybody can make a TV show because the camera equipment, everything's gotten so cheap. The software's available for everybody. And all of a sudden, the creative side of it, the ability to um, make something new almost evaporated. And I think it's because once there's that mass proliferation and anybody can do it, the only things that get noticed are those things with a big budget and big budgets only come to things that are a proven quantity. Nobody, <laughs> right? Nobody's going to put a hundred million dollars behind some indie movie that some guy in his garage is making. Mm -hmm. um, and I worry about that with AI and with like innovation in general. Well, and I heard, um, I heard actually there were two quotes I think I heard recently. The first one was that uh, AI is not going to replace jobs. It's people who don't use AI that are going to lose their jobs or something to that effect. Um, I think actually open AI was the one who said that. Uh, the other one was to the effect of, and actually I think I was the one who said it. So I don't know if it's a quote or not. It's just <laughs> me just thinking out loud, but um, it had to do with the fact that uh, we were, uh, my co-founder and I were talking about, you know, engaging with Fiverr artists now with Midjourney. Midjourney is an AI tool that you can use to, for those you know who don't know about it, you can uh, type in this like forward slash imagine and then paint your scene that you're thinking about. And um, it will, using AI based off of this like large repository of images that it's you know trained off of, come up with an amazing um, caption or, or you know illustration based off of what you tell it to do. And it's phenomenal. I mean, it's not perfect, but it is phenomenal. And in terms of getting something uh, close or if not exactly what you're looking for, uh, just right, just from a 30 second, just typing my thoughts in and just hitting, com you know, commit, it's, it does an amazing job. And uh, we were talking about, does, you know, what is this going to do to Fiverr artists? And I said, well, I think there's still going to be a market for Fiverr artists, especially those who, who realize the value of this tool. Mm -hmm. as a means to put together mock-ups for free. You know, it's like, you're looking for something, here's some mock-ups, which of these are good for you, uh, which ones do you like? And then taking that as a baseline and then going the extra mile and making it perfectly the way that, you know, your client's looking for. And I think that that's where um, if you don't have, um, if, if, you, if you're not leveraging the tools that are available to you, it's just like any industry at any point in time, you're going to become the dinosaur. Oh yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. The, the concern is not the, uh, it's gonna disrupt and take away jobs. I, I actually think that as a, 
uh, an artist who just really re I really got into painting again like six months ago. And guess what happened about six months ago? We were just talking about that, right? <laughs> and so I had an art show, everything sold out. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed that process. But then the generative diffusion models hit the market. You know, I was all of a sudden playing with them. I'm like, wow, everything I can think of, you know, the, the hallucinations in my head, somebody could just type that out and they're going to get a far better image than anything I could ever create. Is there a place for my creation anymore? And uh, yeah, of course, people are still going to want the, they're not, when they're buying art, they're not buying the physical good, they're buying the narrative behind it. Mm -hmm. And the physical piece of it actually has something to do with that, but that's why NFTs still work. But the, um, the part that I worry about is the, I, I don't know, I guess it's the, once anybody can do something, you get so much noise, just so much stuff being created, that how do you find the good things that have been created, the things that have if it's imagery and you're looking for beauty, how do you find the beautiful image when there's mountains of garbage out there? Well, it kind of, this is, it goes back to my micro search philosophy in that if you have um, a macro search solution, like again, just using Google, not picking on them, but you know, if we're talking about Google and it's suddenly in, you know, being flooded by just massive amounts. And I do mean massive amounts of images and content. How is it to know? I mean, I'm sure that they have solutions, things like Bard, but <laughs> I mean, how is it, how is it truly to know? And I think that there is a, there is an element of curation that will always be necessary for quality, whether that curation is manual, you know, hu you know, human fed, or whether it's something that can be automated is, you know, still to be determined. But at this juncture, I think that's one of the things that's ultimately going to play into this is that, that curation aspect of it. It's just yeah. like if you go to an art show, you there's a curation, there's a curator. Yeah, and actually, uh, as you said that, I'm like, oh, it comes full circle. We're back to the beginning of the internet, <laughs> and here we go again. <laughs> so I want to pull this back to say the name again. Vagami is how I want to say it, but I know that's not right. Yeah, Vigami. Yeah, Vigami. Vigami. Yeah. <laughs> so pulling it back to Vigami, there, there's uh, this. This is a. Uh, new thing that's going to be coming out new games are coming out at a very rapid pace sure and that knowledge base has to get into your ai tool you need the data coming in i'm curious how are you going about uh capturing that fraud like just there's so much so many games being created right now how do you pull that in how do you make yeah, sure i mean honestly that the part of that's going to be a little bit of the secret sauce but at the same time you know one of the things we want to be adamantly trying to do is make partnerships with the companies that are doing this stuff like you know working with valve and getting their steam database into into our system so that way people can ask questions about their games but not only ask questions but be able to you know hey i just i want to buy this game how do i buy this game just click buy you know, right, right click buy. <laughs> you know, you want to make it easy as easy can be. But at the same time, uh, that is the challenge, right? That's yeah. the trick. I'm, I'm, I was just thinking about this. It just popped into my head. So it's not going to be a very well formed question. But uh, do you think it would be a win if all of a sudden during a national professional gaming tournament, uh, your tool was being used by the people on screen, by the, the athletes on screen? Oh, it fits. I mean, the, the, eventually I would be seeing like, you know how like they have the esports teams and stuff. Like I can see the managers in the background, just like, you know, typing in questions like mad, you know, it's like, all right, you know, they're on their microphones, like, all right, do this. This is what you need to do. You know, it's, it's a pincer strategy. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> well, the, like, the coaches and managers would be the ones using the tool. I think that's that'd be fantastic. It would be a huge win. Yeah. Just be like the coaches like on the sidelines of the NFL, you know, they've got their little, you know, Motorola headsets and, you know, they're getting their instructions. <laughs> so we're actually, I, I try to keep this at a 15-ish minute podcast so that it's uh, something very consumable because I produce them every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any last words you want to give to the audience? I, you know, I really appreciate just kind of being on here. Happy to come back if uh, if you have any other conversations you want to kind of jump into. I love talking about video games and AI tools. I think this is an amazing space for everybody to be looking closely into. And um, I, I'm very excited for the future. Well, Ben, thank you again for being on the show. Really love to have you. We'll definitely have you back again. Uh, and for the audience out there, thank you for listening in. I hope you subscribe to the podcast. I am trying to put these out daily. And uh, any feedback from you is warranted and wonderful. If you'd like to be on the show like Ben was today, we'd love to have you on, especially if you've got a startup in the space and especially in AI. But I'm not going to limit it to just that. If you've got something that you want to uh, share with the world, some amazing new announcement, we'd love to be the ones to share it with you. So my email address, the best way to get a hold of me is hammer at techtastic.tech. Thank you and hope to see you next time.